This podcast is sponsored by Active Skin Repair, a skin health company helping people heal with natural, non-toxic, medical-grade ingredients. Active Skin Repair uses a molecule called hypochlorous acid, which mimics our natural immune response to cleanse, soothe irritation, reduce inflammation, and support healing. We've been loving Active Skin Repair for all the cuts and scrapes that show up in the active toddler life. Sage loves that there's both the spray version, but also a cream version. He likes to get to choose which one he's going to do. He calls it the magic cream. And it's been so great for taking care of Mila's neck rash now that she's full on teething. Can we get a minute for a teething three and a half month old? What in the world? Active Skin Repair has thousands of five-star reviews and the ingredients so safe and clean, they can be used from the youngest member of the family to the oldest. Keeping it simple with one soothing solution for all your family's skin health needs. Visit www.activeskinrepair.com to learn more about Active Skin Repair and to get 20% off your order, use code VILLAGE. That's www.activeskinrepair.com, code VILLAGE, for 20% off your order. You're listening to Voices of Your Village. This is episode number 89. I posted recently on my Instagram stories, chatting about a little story about spanking and some research, and so many people DM'd me and were like, I've spanked before, or someone in my family does this or thinks it's okay, and I need language or resources or tools to not do it, to communicate about it, etc. And after seeing that response, I decided to do a full podcast episode to support you if you have friends who have spanked or are spanking, if this is something that you have been utilizing as a response to behavior, and to give you some other tools to navigate this and some language to talk to other folks who might be in your village using this as well. Um, I genuinely, in my heart, think that no one is spanking because it's their first choice. I think when you've tried everything else and it feels like nothing's working, that this practice that so many folks grew up with is something folks turn to. So this is not an episode where we're here to shame you for your choices. It's really just to provide other tools and resources for you. Before we dive in, next week in our Tiny Humans Big Emotions membership, we are chatting about bullies being the bully, being bullied. What if your kiddo is a bystander to bullying? How do we navigate all this? What does bullying really mean, etc.? If you want to join us for this live workshop, it's 14.97 to join and you get access to all the old workshops alongside this live workshop on Wednesday. If you miss it live, no worries. It is stored on the membership website so that you can watch it at your convenience. You can share it with a partner. You can make sure that your whole village is on the same page with this conversation. Head over to tinyhumansbigemotions.com to sign up before Wednesday. All right, let's dive in. Welcome to Voices of Your Village, a place where parents, caregivers, teachers, and experts come to support one another on this wild ride of raising tiny humans. We combine decades of experience with the latest research to create the modern parenting village. Let's dive into honest conversation about real parenting challenges so it doesn't have to be this hard. I'm your host, sleep consultant, child development specialist, and passionate feminist, Alyssa Blass Campbell. Hey guys, I recently on Instagram in my stories had a little conversation about spanking and I got so many questions. I got DMs about one's own personal journey. I got questions about what about grandparents or people's comments, all that jazz. When you're giving a child space to express or teaching them emotion processing tools and someone's like, well, you could just spank them and like get this over with essentially. So 
We're going to dive in today. We're doing a full episode on it. I think this is really powerful for people, not just if you are spanking your child, have spanked your child, or around people who are saying these things, but also if you're not, I think it's really important to tune in here for empathy and figuring out how do you connect with somebody who approaches this differently than you do. All right. I reached out and asked for your questions. I was like, throw them at me. I'm going to do this episode. Let me hear it. And y'all came back with a bunch. And so we're going to kind of work through them. But one thing before we even work through these bad boys that I want to point out is that I've never, ever met anybody who had other tools in their toolbox for responding to behavior than spanking and still felt like spanking was the way to go. I honestly think that when you're at wit's end and you've tried things and you feel like nothing else is working, that you might feel like spanking is the only way to see progress here. And I want to hold space for that. I want to validate that, man, this is really freaking hard and you can get really stressed and it might feel like the only way to get them to listen to you. We're going to dive into some other tools today, but I want you to know that I see you. I see you and I'm here to support you too. This is a place that is shame-free, guilt-free place of support. And there were a bunch of people that reached out in our group, some people who sent DMs. Everybody will remain anonymous that has chosen to be anonymous. I'm just grateful for your vulnerability in reaching out for support. All right. One person said, give me some data and or strategies to educate other families who do believe in spanking. I'm firm in my own stance of not using spanking as discipline ever. Discipline for me equals to teach. When given an opportunity, how would you discuss this topic to a family who do use spanking as a consequence? First of all, I think that that first part is huge. Like when given an appropriate opportunity, it's not your job to walk around like shaming people for how they do this. Just like I'm not going to show up to your house and shame you if you yell at your kid, etc. Right? Like first knowing like what's our role here. And from there, I want to empathize. I want to pop in and be like, man, it's so frustrating when... X, Y, and Z is happening. I have really been working on this too. And then opening up this discussion, right? Like you don't have, if you come in and you're like, I saw you spank and I want to educate you, you're not going to go very far. But if you can start from a place of like, I get the feelings behind it. I get the frustration. I get feeling like you're at wit's end. And here are some things I've been working on. You can even share like, dude, I found this podcast and it's been really helpful for me figuring out like other ways to respond to my kid. And we've been seeing a lot of like cool results from it. Being able to like open that door a little bit, but giving somebody advice or feedback for something they're not asking for can be really tricky. And I want you to pause and put yourself in their shoes for a minute. Think of the times that you've received parenting advice from somebody well-meaning who's just trying to fill your toolbox, but when you didn't ask. Take that into consideration as you kind of move forward. We will for sure in this episode dive into the research, but I want to start by saying like, if it's unsolicited, you're treading on thin ice. Is that how that goes? Treading on thin ice? Skating on thin ice? That sounds more like it. Here we go. I feel so lost. Spank or don't spank? How do I reprimand? How do I set boundaries? Help. Okay. So overall, the goal is to not spank. And... You can't just take spanking away from a parent and expect this to work out. Like, you, we have got to build other tools for parents if they're going to stop spanking. They're spanking because they don't know what else to do, I feel like. So, yes on the don't spank. And how do I reprimand? How do I set boundaries? First of all, it's figuring you're setting boundaries all the time. All the time. When you either let a kid do something or you don't. If you're like, okay, I don't care if they climb on the couch and jump off 
into a pile of cushions, great. The boundary you're setting is that they can do that, uh, that that's safe and fine in your household. If you're saying when it's time for dinner, my expectation is that you come sit at the table until we're done with dinner or whatever. Like boundaries are expectations that we then enforce. So all the time we're saying, here's our expectation. What we have to know about boundaries, and we have a full episode, episode number three, all about boundaries, for sure dive into that bad boy. Also, check out episode 78 on expectations because it can help you outline what are your expectations? What do you want to see from them? A lot of the times we're like blaming kids for not following rules that we never actually communicated. If you're feeling like you are winding up at wit's end at not knowing what to do with kiddos, I want to be able to, at the end of the day, pause and look back and say, man, where did the wheels come off the bus? Where did I not let them know what was coming up next? Or how to appropriately behave in this situation? Or ways that they could express if they were feeling frustrated? Or coping strategies they could tap into if they were disappointed? We've got to look at ways that we can best support them. So at the end of the day, if we can reflect back and say, hmm, I keep seeing this behavior from this kid and it's not changing or it's getting worse or whatever, I want to look and say, what are they communicating? What don't they understand about this? And where is it my job to then teach them about this? And we don't teach through physical punishment. We teach by giving them a different toolbox. If a kid is hitting, they're hitting because they don't know what else to do. Just like if you're spanking, you're spanking because you don't know what else to do. They're doing the same thing. These behaviors are coming from a place of, I'm having a feeling and I don't know how else to communicate it. So I'm doing what I know how to do. And sometimes that feeling is, I'm trying to connect with you. I feel left out. I feel like I haven't had your attention all day and I miss you. And I don't know how else to say that or communicate that. I think so often when kids are trying to connect with us and we're seeing what we call attention-seeking behavior, which we reframe to connection-seeking behavior, we end up punishing them for it. And instead they're saying, man, I'm just trying to connect with you. I don't know how else to do it. I'm trying to get your attention. Maybe when I do this one thing, it gets your attention, even if that attention is negative. So I want to pay attention to like, what are they communicating with us? And what's our role here? Where are we dropping the ball here? When it comes to discipline, we have a whole episode on discipline. It's episode number 46, and it's delicious. So dive into episode number 46 and find out other ways to discipline a child and what discipline really means to us. Any suggestions on managing when other people spank? Here, it's going to come back again to like, is this your kid or somebody else's? If it's yours, be a fierce advocate for your kid. Over 50 years of research has shown that spanking, not only is it not effective, but repeated exposure can actually reduce gray matter volume in part of the prefrontal cortex that plays a really crucial role in social cognition. So not only does it not get the benefits that we are desiring of like, oh, this kid will no longer do this behavior or they'll listen to me, we are actually affecting the brain in a negative way. Also, just like, let's break this down and think about this for a minute. What you're saying is, if somebody doesn't listen to you, if somebody doesn't follow your rules, it's okay to hurt their body. It's okay to hit them. It would then be no shock to hear that when kids are spanked, they have a higher rate of domestic violence of perpetrating domestic violence and being victims of domestic violence. If you have a child who, when she's not listening to you, you're hitting her, she might think it's totally normal to end up with a partner who, when she's not listening to her partner, they hit her. She might think that that's the expectation. So if this is your child that somebody is spanking, you got a mama bear fierce advocate here. And step in and say, like, 
if you're going to be around my child, spanking isn't a choice. Like, here are ways that we are handling this. Here are ways that we are navigating this behavior. We would love for you to come on board. I'm happy to support you with other tools. I'm not going to let you hit my child. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Being back to work after maternity leave has been so good and frankly, so hard. I love what I do and I missed collaborating with my team while I was out and it's been a tough transition. The combination of a packed schedule and still being the milk machine for Mila Bean, it's hard to juggle everything. I feel so grateful for my weekly therapy hour. Sometimes I'm just holding so much and I need a safe space to let it out and get it off my chest. I've noticed that when I don't release it, it comes out anyway, but usually in ways that aren't aligned with how I want to show up in the world. BetterHelp is such a convenient, flexible option for parents who just can't take the travel time to get to an in-person therapy visit. It's entirely online. You can show up in your jammies, always a win in my book, and you can switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and you're on your way to feeling heard. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash voices today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash voices. I'm Margaret. And I'm Amy. And together we host the podcast, What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. Margaret, I would say you're sort of a where are my keys kind of mom. Correct. Sometimes a where are my kids kind of mom. (laughs) Well, you're, Amy, more of a, we were supposed to leave 35 seconds ago, Mom. I mean, touche. In each episode of What Fresh Hell, we come at a topic from our usually completely opposite perspectives. I bring the research. And I bring kind of the gimlet eye. Like, is that research really going to work, people? And almost 10 million downloads later, we're still laughing. We also talk to experts in the parenting field, plus parents with stories we can all learn from. We make each other laugh, we challenge each other's assumptions, and we have what we think is the best parenting community on the internet. Check out What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood wherever you listen to podcasts. I saw my brother-in-law pop my 21-month-old nephew on the butt for not sitting down. How to deal with these emotions. Oh, it's so hard when you witness it. (sighs) I think, like, honestly, in that instance, what I want to be able to do is connect with the brother-in-law. Like, I know it's so frustrating when they're not listening. And I was checking out this research the other day about spanking And I was kind of startled to read some of it. We've been checking out these other resources and working on these other things. I mean, whatever, SEED or any other resources that you have found helpful to come up with other ways to respond because this research is kind of wild. Like, at least planting that seed. Pa! (laughs) No pun intended. Um, At least planting that seed of like, hey, I'm going to I'm going to bring it to your attention that this isn't the most effective way to do this. They might not respond in the moment or they might get defensive because it feels like a judgment of their parenting. In all honesty, it is. And you've got to be comfortable with the fact that like it might get uncomfortable for a second, but they might walk away and like check something out, read a piece of research, check out an article, listen to a podcast episode you share with them. Is it ever necessary, life-threatening situations, et cetera? No, it's never necessary. There's always another way we can handle this. So say they're like running into the street and you try to hit them to let them know they can't run into the street. Instead, I want your voice to change. I want your tone of voice to change. I want your reaction time to change. I want you to go into like, I'm going to come scoop you up and let you know like, with the tone of my voice that like this is serious not necessarily yelling in fact my serious tone is quieter and like it just changes Uh, and kiddos respond to it they know like oh shoot (laughs) i don't usually hear this one and so when i use that tone of voice it's when i'm coming from a place of like this is not negotiable this isn't just behavioral it's really not safe for you my whole tone will change and my body language will change. And I'm not waiting for them. I'm not giving them like time to come back. I'm running and scooping them up off of the sidewalk so they don't run into that street or whatever. I'm going over and quickly grabbing the knife or the scissors or whatever it is that they have that like is life-threatening. 
And ex- but hitting them is does not need to be a part of this. Evidence-based research showing that's not the best route to show your spouse. Yeah, so there is a, a bunch, like if you Google this, but um, the New York Times came out with an article that has a bunch of research within it. It was last year, November 2018. It has a whole bunch of like links to studies to back up what their research says. Here's the thing, guys. This, I think it was the Times article. Yeah, 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 it was. Okay, so the Times article also showed that pediatricians and child psychologists used to think that this was okay. They used to almost recommend it as a means. And then as we learned how to research children better, research of children is not that old because it's really hard to do. It's hard to be like, okay, you obviously can't set up a control group where you're like, everybody here is going to spank their kids and we're going to see how they turn out. Like you can't, you can't do that. And so how we research kids has been a hard thing over the years and it's changed and we've learned other ways to do it. Honestly, technology has been very helpful, I think, in this. But now we have more research. So it's like no better, do better. In the same way that we're not putting our kids in the same car seats that we were put in as kids because we learned, oh, a lot of kids died. Like car seat deaths have gone down drastically since we had different car seat laws come into play and different car seats in general. The same with spanking, that like just because your parents spanked you or your partner or whatever and they quote unquote turned out fine doesn't mean we're still doing that. When we know better and research, it is insane how much research backs this up. Now, 50 years of research really backing up that like, oh man, spanking is a doozy long-term. We for sure see long-term effects from spanking that are not positive. It's not like, oh, that behavior changed. Like, no, dude, we're seeing more aggression from kids. We're seeing anxiety from kids because they're afraid of getting hurt. I want kiddos to know it's okay to feel sad. It's okay to feel frustrated and disappointed. And it's not okay to hurt somebody's body. It's still your job to be safe with your body and with mine. And you can develop tools, coping strategies for processing these emotions. If when our kids are having a hard feeling and they express their hard feeling, if our response is to spank them to make it stop, we are not raising emotionally intelligent humans, my friends. We're not building their emotion processing tools. We're saying, I want your behavior to stop and I don't know how else to make your behavior stop, so I'm going to hit you to try and make it stop. And in actuality, what I want to say is, What's the emotion behind the behavior? Why is this behavior happening? What are they trying to tell me so that I can respond to the emotion and the behavior will stop? What do you do when you're trying to address a behavior and or emotion and your toddler is not paying attention, walking away, or trying to disengage? Then I would say they're not ready to have this conversation right now. So if it's a behavior like they're hitting, I would stop them from hitting and emotion coach them and let them know you're going to put them in a safe space until they're ready to be calm with their body, calm with yours, etc. Um, you can tune into our hitting episode if you want more deets on that bad boy. It's episode number 61. But otherwise, like say they're just like doing something that's annoying, whatever, like you can address the emotion and highlight it, they're going to take it in and they are paying attention whether they're looking at you or not, but they might not be ready to like problem solve or talk about conflict resolution right now. I have also dropped down to kids levels, like say it's a while after this thing has happened and I want to address it. I will drop down to their level and say, you're not in trouble and I'm not mad at you. I want to talk to you about earlier when you were saying you're stupid to your sister or whatever it is. How do you think it would feel? And then if they start to withdraw, I would say, I know this feels uncomfortable. I'm not mad at you. I want to help you make a different choice next time because I know that you're so kind and I know you didn't want to hurt her feelings. I know you wouldn't want to make her feel sad. I know that you love her and I want to help you make a different choice. And then I'm just going to talk. I wouldn't expect them to respond because right now they're probably feeling embarrassed about what had happened earlier. All right, Alyssa. So what's the deal with this mama's getaway weekend that I've been hearing so much about? Well, Maddie, 
It is one of my favorite weekends in the whole year. And I get to hang out with mamas from all over. We have people flying in for this bad boy. They're coming to Gloucester, Massachusetts, October 18th and 19th, although you can just do the 19th if that's better for you. And we get to hang out and dive deep into all this jazz. All right, well, I did just check my calendar and I am free that weekend. Be straight with me here, what's going on? I want to get away, but if I really want to be a better mama, shouldn't I be spending my weekends with my kiddos? That's a solid question. I think that often we can get so into the routine and it can be so hard to step outside of the day-to-day that we can't look at the bigger picture. One of the best things that someone ever told me about running a business was how important it is to step outside of working in your business all the time to work on your business. And that's kind of how I see this too. When I ran a classroom, I would go to conferences and workshops so that I could look at the bigger picture about how I could better show up as a teacher in the classroom. And I wanna give that same opportunity to parents, for mamas to be able to step outside the day-to-day and really take a bigger look and say, what can I do from a systems perspective in my everyday life on the whole to better show up as a mama, as a partner, and as a person? Okay, my only problem now is that I am always listening to your podcast. I'm scrolling through your Insta nonstop. I'm getting all of this content that I don't have to open up my wallet for. So really, what's going on? You want me to hand over cash for this stuff that I'm already learning from you? What else are you gonna teach me? Yeah, great question, Madison. There are opportunities to get content from us for free and there always will be. I grew up in a small farm town in the middle of Western New York with access to very little resources with parents who couldn't afford bonus resources. And so we will always provide free support for folks like that so that I, as a little kid, could have had access to this. So my parents could have had access to this. That, that's gonna be a non-negotiable for us all the time. This is an opportunity to dive deeper. So often what you hear from us are maybe 45 minute episodes on one topic or another. We're gonna take what this really looks like in real life and dive even deeper. Instead of skimming the surface on a bunch of little things, we're gonna take a deep dive. So the weekend set up so that on Friday night, we're really looking at like, how did you get here? What were you raised with? What are you coming to adulthood with? What are you, what's your partner or your co-parent coming to adulthood with? What is the past that brought us to this place? And then on Saturday, we're diving into, all right, now how's that showing up in your everyday life now? What's this looking like with your tiny humans in your partnership, in your life? What's your day to day and how do we Then, workshop number two on Saturday, how do we structure a system that better supports your everyday life? A system where you aren't waking up feeling overwhelmed day to day. A system where you're saying, okay, not only do I know the tools because I've heard them all on the podcast, all that jazz, but I have a system now where I feel like I am ready to implement those tools. I think a lot of times we are consuming these materials and this information and we don't necessarily know how to put it into practice. We are going to get down and dirty on what that looks like from an implementation standpoint. And we also, one of my favorite things about this Mama's Getaway that Tell is me, new, please tell me. Oh, I'm so jazzed. We have a lunchtime panel. We have a developmental psychologist. We have an occupational therapist, not just any, but my favorite. You may have heard her on the podcast twice because I love her so much. And we have a wellness-driven mama who supports folks in postpartum. She works with folks who are struggling with postpartum depression and anxiety. And from the physical aspect, she's also a trainer. So we are trying to cover all of our bases here. And of course, you gal on this lunchtime panel where everybody gets to ask their in-depth question of different experts in the field of early childhood. Not to be dramatic, but this sounds like a dream come true. How do I sign up? I'm going to seed and sow, walk me through it. I am ready. My checkbook is open. For sure. You don't even have to go to seed and sow. You can just go to mamasgetaway.com and snag your tickets there. You also have the option 
if you just are coming for Saturday, to add on a bonus Saturday night, we're doing a cocktail hour where you get to connect with all these other moms who are gonna be there throughout the weekend. And you know what's cool? Our last mama's getaway, those mamas still chat, still hang out, still connect with each other. They're still in each other's village. And something outrageous that happened that I didn't even anticipate. Oh my God, what? Some of the dads got together after the last one. They're even connecting over this stuff now too. And guys, I can't wait to support you with the tools to truly change your life because I've seen it change others' lives. It's changed my life. And when it changes yours, it gets to change your kiddos too. Babe, I'm sold because the only thing I care about more than my kids is making lifetime improvements of myself while also making friends with other moms. I loved the outcomes of the last one and I can't wait to hug you in real life at this Mama's Getaway Weekend. October 18th and 19th, Gloucester, Massachusetts. Carpool, find your best friend or meet your new mama best friend. Snag your tickets at mamasgetaway.com. People my age talk about being spanked like a badge of honor or proper raising. Thoughts on that? Woof. Yeah, dude. Uh, My thoughts on that are that they probably feel like that was an effective tool, just like they might think that putting kids in old car seats is fine, too. Like, (laughs) they might not be up to date on research, and that's fine. It's not your job to bring them up to date. You just get to make choices for your family unit. That's it. Um, It's not your job to save the world on this one. You just get to advocate for your family unit and for you to know, man, the research backs you up tenfold and you can really just like kind of walk away from it. I actually, for me, these triggers are often around like food stuff. When people are talking about food as like either a punishment or reward, like healthy, not healthy, et cetera, I have learned like, I just have to walk away (laughs) and know like there are certain things that we want to enforce with our kiddos and certain things we don't and I can't engage in this conversation or even like take it in. Sometimes I'll just, I will just literally go quiet and not really respond and I'm obviously a giant extrovert. I mean, I'm talking at a microphone to you like right now for a half hour. I'm a giant extrovert and love to chat with people. And so when I go quiet, I think it's kind of powerful (laughs) where like I literally stop engaging on the topic. And if people are like trying to bring me into the conversation, then sometimes I've just said like, oh, I have a different opinion on it, but I don't really want to talk about it right now or whatever. Like, or I just have a different opinion on it. And if they, like, try to egg it on, you can totally say, like, I don't want to have this conversation. You're allowed to say that. And if they can't handle their own feelings around that, that's their responsibility, not yours. If you're a parent, I invite you to join us at the Mindful Mama podcast, where it's all about becoming a less irritable, more joyful parent. With sometimes hilarious and always thought-provoking experts and friends, at Mindful Mama, we know that you cannot give what you do not have. And when you have calm and peace within, then you can give it to your children. I'm Hunter Clark Fields, and I can't wait to see you there. Listen in to the Mindful Mama podcast. Are you overwhelmed by the things that get in the way of you doing what you want to do? Are you looking for ways to simplify life to better align with your values? Do you want to create space in your schedule so you have room for more of the good stuff? Play, joy, relationships, gratitude, and more? If you answered yes to any of these questions, I invite you to check out Edit Your Life, a podcast to help you edit the unnecessary from your life so you have more room to enjoy the awesome. Through episodes with me, Christine Co., and a range of super smart, compassionate, and thoughtful guests, you'll come away with big picture insights and practical ways to declutter your home, schedule, and mental space without getting bogged down by perfection. I have always believed that small moments and actions matter tremendously. My goal is to help you find agency and space in your life through doable baby steps that will leave you feeling accomplished instead of overwhelmed. Check out Edit Your Life wherever you enjoy your podcasts. Here's another question I got. I have in the past swatted my kid on the bum when she wasn't listening. For example, after being told to walk with me multiple times, she pulled out of my hand and ran away from me down the road and scared the crap out of me. 
I feel like I did it as a desperate way to shock her out of what seemed to be a vortex of not listening. I'm going to pause real quick. I think often what happens is when we feel fear, we want somebody else to feel fear. So if you were afraid when she ran down the street, then you wanted her to feel fear so that she wouldn't run down the street. It's like an eye for an eye. I feel like I did that as a desperate way to shock her. Yep, okay, I immediately regretted it and apologized, but it happened out of desperation in a situation that was getting dangerous because she wasn't listening. Okay, so here's the thing. I would pop down and say, I would hold her hand either tightly or pop down and say, I'm going to carry you or you can walk and hold my hand. Running away from me right here isn't safe. It's non-negotiable right? Like we're not negotiating. We're giving them two options that we are comfortable with. She can either hold your hand and walk or you're going to pick her up. Today, I was on the phone uh, with Rachel and her daughter was climbing up like a ladder and had a lollipop in her mouth. And she was just like, hang on, Liz, turns and she's like, hey, Nora, it's not safe to climb with a lollipop in your mouth. You can either come down and have the lollipop or you can hand me the lollipop and you can keep climbing. She handed her the lollipop and she was like, can I climb now? And Rachel was like, yep, go ahead. Because this is how they respond time and time again. Nora knew there was no way her mom was going to let her keep climbing with that lollipop. So either she was going to get down or she was going to hand over the lollipop. If she had done neither and kept climbing, Rachel would have gone over and said, I'm going to pull your body down on the count of three so that I can keep you safe or you can hand me the lollipop. And she would have pulled her body down on the count of three or whatever. Like it's the consistency in letting them know I'm going to fall through this boundary, but first I'm going to set a boundary early, not waiting till I've like hit my breaking point. But the first time she leaves your hand and you feel scared, you're going to scoop her up and say, you can walk and hold my hand or I will carry you. Running away from me is not safe here. And I would walk and hold her hand a little tight, like expecting her to try and pull away. And if she tries, then I would tighten and just say, like, I'm not going to let you run away. Would you like me to pick you up? If she says no to that, then I would keep holding her hand. It's your job to keep her safe there. It has only occurred a few times, and those were years ago, and each time me striking her was never in the plan for how to handle any situation. However, they all happened in the same scenario where things started to feel out of control for me as the adult and dangerous for her as the child. I never wanted to put a hand on my child after being spanked myself, and I'm so frustrated with myself that it happened. Why did I do that? How could I respond better or differently? I've heard others talk about that same feeling or justification as a a last-ditch effort to snap them out of a behavior that is undesirable and headed somewhere with dangerous consequences. In the few times when I did swap my kid's bottom, I apologized after, but always felt that what I said fell short. Is there a better way to handle this if I screw up and resort to a spank, which I never want to do again? Or just in general, if I screw up how I handle a situation, I still feel miserably guilty that the few spanks that did occur ever happened. First of all, sister, give yourself grace. Give yourself a pat on the back for showing up, for being vulnerable, for opening up about this, and for wanting to do it differently. I'm so proud of you. You were working to rewrite this story and I'm proud of you. Give yourself some grace here. If it happens again, afterwards, when you're calm, you can say, I shouldn't have hit you. I was really scared that you were going to run into the street and I spanked you and I'm really sorry. I shouldn't have hit you. Next time, instead of hitting you, I'm going to scoop your body up in my arms to keep you safe. Or I'm going to hold your hand tight when we're walking to keep you safe. It's never okay if somebody hits you when they're mad. That's it. I'm just going to let her know that phrase. That it's never okay for someone to hit her when they're mad. Now, in terms of you... What you can start to work on is your self-awareness from like when it's starting to build. So if you feel yourself starting to get scared or starting to get frustrated, if you feel like you're operating at like a seven or an eight, like ready to blow at any minute, 
Then we got to work on some proactive tools for you, how to build things into your day that help you generally like operate at a calmer level, lower cortisol. Things like getting exercise in or meditating for five minutes. I know meditating can like really turn a lot of people off. You guys, it's just pausing to breathe without any distractions. I like to do it with my eyes closed because I'm easily distracted. I'm like, oh, a squirrel. But just pausing to breathe without any distractions, any screens, anything else, it genuinely changes your brain chemistry. So it'll really like help you feel calmer as a human. But yeah, there are a bunch of things here that we can do proactively to help keep your cortisol lower. And then it's starting to notice things early on. Like say you're trying to get out the door and there is a conflict or your daughter's throwing her shoes because she's mad. And then you try to leave the house and she is crying because she's hungry for a snack and you just stepped outside. And maybe it's all these little things adding up. So then by the time she runs from your hand, you're already at an eight and that just puts you over the edge. So what it is is like when you're trying to get out the door and she throws the shoe it might be you saying you know what I'm gonna go take some space and this is where in the moment you're taking space and you're breathing you're reaching out to a friend you are tapping into some mantras or phrases that are helpful and calming for you looking at like what am I doing in the moment to walk away and feel calm so that I can come back at a calmer place so I'm not just like adding a little bit at a time until I blow a lot of parents will tell me like I'm that they just lose their patience. I'm like, nah, sis, you are having little moments all day long where you're not recognizing that it's starting to build. So of course you're losing your patience. We all would at some point. What's key here is taking little breaks throughout the day to juice yourself back up, like fill your cup here. Literally like walking away to breathe or having a minute where there isn't a kid on your body. How to explain our choice not to spank is discipline. I've heard everything from if she was my kid, she would have been spanked by now to the mama lion smacks her cubs if they misbehave. It's natural. Why should it be any different for humans? Well, lions don't have a prefrontal cortex. We have a prefrontal cortex, which means we can get to a place that we call the rational brain where we can do like problem solving and conflict resolution and things like that that a lot of animals don't have. (laughs) Since finding this village, I feel like I have better tools for myself not to spank because before I knew I didn't want to, but under pressure, I've resorted to a spank in the past. It's like I had the vision, but didn't have a solid plan or support on how to execute. I also feel like I have better words to explain this parenting choice now, but it's still tough to articulate, especially on something so sensitive. Girlfriend, I'm so glad you're here. It is hard. It is hard because nobody is walking around as a perfect parent. Nobody is walking around 100% confident in what they're doing and just saying like, oh man, it's totally fine for me to be critiqued because I'm confident all the time in what I'm doing. So when somebody critiques you, especially if they're hitting a spot that you're already insecure about, it is triggering. You're like, ooh, yikes, I'm now feeling sensitive about this because I was already judging myself for it. And now I feel like somebody else is judging me too. It's totally normal. And it happens across the board. And here, I would not feed into it a whole lot. I would either ignore the comments and go over and have somebody you can vent to that can fill your cup, even if it's via text, etc. Just like, hey, I just heard this comment and I need your support. I use this tool all the time. (laughs) Or if it is something where you're like, I am in the spot and I want to respond to somebody that we're seeing all the time, etc. Then I would just say like, I know. And like, honestly, we've spanked her in the past and it wasn't effective and it didn't help. And I'm working on helping her in other ways. And it's so hard. That's it. You can let them know, like, I see where you're coming from. I've actually been there and I'm trying to do this a different way. Thank you for addressing this. It's tough to talk or ask about because it's uncomfortable and feels shameful. I've always been mortified and uncomfortable around others who have spanked their kids, and yet I end up doing it myself. I want to learn from past mistakes and grow. I'm so dang proud of this village. You guys are amazing, and I'm jazzed that we get to have vulnerable conversations to really make giant changes. Okay, let's see here. 
got another one, and then I think it's towards the end here, and we can chat about some research. First question is, how did our own mothers survive this thing called parenthood? <laughs> I guess at the core, how do we best communicate with an advanced, obstinate, and defiant 17-month-old? These past few days have been brutal. She cries nonstop, throws tantrums. The slightest thing that doesn't go her way or fast enough, she's lashing out. I'm at a total loss at how to navigate it, hence the spanking. The throwing and hitting is so bad. And I hear myself, we do not hit mommy. She's so confused. I'm confused at 37 years old. Girlfriend, yeah, it is really hard. It's so hard. If you are finding that like these tantrums are constant, her outbursts are constant, that every little thing that doesn't go her way is a giant deal. First of all, this isn't going to be the fit your favorite thing you've ever heard, but I want you to start paying attention to what you're modeling. What are your reactions in the moment? What happens when somebody screws up your order at a restaurant or somebody cuts you off in traffic or your partner grabs the wrong thing at the grocery store or you some when something doesn't go your way, what are you modeling? Because we can usually start there. We can usually start with like, oh, it didn't go my way. And I'm going to say, man, oh, it's so frustrating. I asked you to get corn at the store and you didn't get it. And that's what we were going to have for dinner. And now I don't know what to make for dinner. I think I need to go for a little walk or I need some space. And then I'll come back and figure out dinner or you can figure it out while I'm taking space. We can model for them that like we have hard feelings and tap into coping strategies. If when things don't go your way as an adult, you lash out and you're yelling and you're getting snippy and snappy, then yeah, dude, that's what they know. That's what they see. So let's start with our own self-awareness. What are we doing in those moments? What does that look like for us? It's so much easier to be like, I want to change this kid <laughs> than it is to be like, I have to change my own behavior. Trust me, I've a thousand percent been there. Where I'm like, ah, I know exactly where this is coming from because I know that I'm modeling it. And it's so much harder to change ourselves than it is to just be like, why won't this toddler listen to me? <laughs> Let's look at what we're modeling first. Then from here, we can start to also look at like, okay, now how do we respond to their tantrums? Check out two episodes for you here. You can check out episode number 63, How to Emotion Coach for Emotion Processing. Also the Hitting, Biting, Kicking, Spitting one, episode 61. But episode 38 is, so I guess three episodes. Hitting, Biting, Kicking, Spitting, if you're seeing aggressive behavior. How to Emotion Coach for Emotion Processing, 63. And then 38 is one of my favorite episodes of all time. It's about coping. And guys, coping strategies are the most missed thing in emotion processing. It's a thing that so many of us as adults aren't doing. It's a thing we're often missing when we're teaching kiddos this jazz. Let's start there, sis. All right, let's take a look at some research right quick. And then I would encourage you to just honestly Google it. You're going to find so much research. There's literally 50 years of it at this point. Certainly you can get a child's attention, but it's not an effective strategy to teach them right from wrong. This is about spanking. Absolutely. You can for sure get somebody's attention. It's not an effective strategy to teach them right from wrong. Recent studies have shown that corporal punishment, spanking, is associated with increased aggression, and it makes it more likely that children will be defiant in the future. Spanking alone is associated with outcomes similar to those of children who experience physical abuse. I'm going to repeat that sentence because, man, that's powerful. Spanking alone is associated with outcomes similar to those of children who experience physical abuse. Guys, what I don't want to teach kids is that like physical reactions are okay. I don't ever want them, I don't want them to grow up and think they can hit their partner if their partner isn't listening to what they say or that they can allow themselves to be abused or to be hit. 
The data indeed show that children who are spanked do not internalize a notion that their behavior was wrong. They do, however, become more likely to endorse aggression and physical means as acceptable forms of resolving conflicts. That's from a psychologist. Guys, I encourage you, literally Google it and you can, there's so much research out there now on spanking over the course of the last 50 years that show not just what was happening in the immediate, but then long term, we're seeing some really gnarly things here. And if you need that research to back it up, it for sure exists for you. And keep in mind, people who are spanking are turning to physical means to respond to a behavior or an emotion are doing so because they don't know what else to do in this moment. Let's build those toolboxes. Let's build other ways to respond here. All right. Thank you for your vulnerability. Thank you for opening up. Thank you for trusting us. And thank you most of all for being so invested in raising emotionally intelligent humans. I'm proud of you guys. And I love this village. I'll catch you on the flip side. Thanks for tuning in to Voices of Your Village. Check out the show notes for this episode and all past episodes at voicesofyourvillage.com. Did you know that we have a special community for all of you to be a part of so that we can all gather together to raise emotionally intelligent humans? Head on over to Facebook, search Seed and Sow colon Voices of Your Village and dive into that Facebook group. We cannot wait to hang out with you and collaborate on raising these tiny humans. If you're digging this podcast, head on over to Apple Podcasts, scroll down, click those stars and leave a review. It really fills my heart to hear from all of you. Oh, hey, everybody. It's us, Blair and Molly, your old pals from Toddler Purgatory, two moms who are also actors, who are also creative beings who sometimes feel stuck. And this is our new podcast, Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. What happens when your creative spark just seems to disappear? Gone. Poof. Bye. See ya. What happens when life gets in the way of your creativity instead of nourishing it? That's what happened to Molly and me. We felt like the thing that drove us creatively stopped working and impending doom had in fact invented. Totally. So we decided to do something about it. And that was... Steal ideas about getting unstuck from the most creative people we can find. We talk to guests about how to break through the mucky, gluey, sticky wall that can get between you and your creativity. We hear about their journeys, their successes, their challenges, and even their bougie coffee shop orders. And we're not just talking Bob Ross type paint on paper artists here, though we talk to them too. We're talking to actors, creative directors, dancers, and people who are working hard to be their best creative selves in a world that can sometimes feel real uncreative. We all have something to teach each other, so let's steal their ideas together. Join us, won't you, as we deep dive into how to unstick ourselves from the life gunk that can get in the way of our creative freedom. Pandemics, school calendars, world events, lack of sleep, oh, get out of their life gunk. And let's get back to your best creative self. Subscribe to Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. You're not going to want to miss an episode. Unsticking It with Blair and Molly, because sometimes life sucks. Unsticking